Brightest blessings, beautiful souls. I am your guide, Eva, mystical oracle and creatrix. And I am your guide, Christy, a weaver of arts and magic. We bow to you in deep gratitude for your presence in this sacred space. May you feel inspired, supported, and inner-powered through these soulful co-creations and vibrant contemplations. Our devotion is to activate your authentic self, to invite all your colors to swirl and dance with our words, and to awaken your heart for the magic you already hold within. Brightest blessings, beautiful souls. I have Christy here with me as usual, and the beautiful Mel here is joining us for some magical co creations. We're going to have Mel share with us her story, and we will just flow with the rest of it. Christy, is there anything you'd like to share before we give the spotlight to Mel? Oh, I am actually so excited and so happy <laughs> because Mel is one of my dearest friends here and it's we share the we share the same dream and I was like, oh my god, like how I've never thought of it before to have you on the podcast and and share your beautiful self with the world. So yeah, this is a really special one for me. <laughs> Mm. I'm really feeling that too. I feel a lot of joy in my heart, and it feels really good to be sitting with both of you. So, thank you very much for having me. Mm. It's a joy. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, mm. well, would you feel like sharing, like t- telling, actually telling our listeners? Who are you? And so they can see why you're so special to me and only <laughs> to me, but also to many other people I know. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so my name is Melanie O'Driscoll, at least in this incarnation. And um, I feel quite comfortable in that name. So I like I like my name. And I actually have, I can put this little official title at the start of my name if I want to, which is Reverend, which makes me giggle still. Because if you told my 15-year-old self that I would one day be Reverend Mel O'Driscoll, she would have just laughed in your face and just thought it was the silliest thing ever. Because I was a really intense atheist when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, after having had a, had a faith as a child... And it just being eroded by seeing the abuses of the church and this really deep rage of just this desire to scream and shout and just really resist um, like the shame and the oppression and the intensity of the church was just so like made all of me revolt. And I didn't know anything about like Reiki or sound healing or holistic therapies like it wasn't even in my field of reference like at all like I was very earth rooted since I was like three or four I always loved animals and I used to feel like I actually used to think to myself like oh I hate being a human like we ruin everything Mm -hmm. and so like I was like oh I wish I was an animal 
And now I do really know that I am an animal. I'm a storytelling animal, but I also get to be a human, which is a blessing, which I've come to to heal and feel like I have a lot more peace around being a human now. Um, mm. And have also had this really gorgeous experience of training as a one spirit minister. So I was ordained last year in 2022. And through that process I went through this really deep healing my relationship with God which was absolutely transformative like if you asked me even a year ago to to use the word God and not squirm I wouldn't have been able to it was a really tender spot for me as I think it is for most people and especially um living in Ireland so I live in the south of Ireland in Cork Harbour and by the River Lee. So right now I'm in Cove, which is the town I grew up in. And from my window, I can see the beautiful harbour, the water. It's like the second biggest natural harbour in the world. And that feels very much part of me in my ministry. Like I know that like something I like saying is that like, like as we heal, the earth heal, heals because like we are the mm. earth. We're not separate. You know, this big collective consciousness, the anima mundi, the whole stream of life and all of its ecosystems I really feel very much part of that and I think my background I trained as a zoologist so environmental biology and ecosystem awareness um with a really deep love for the earth and a very strong awareness of like climate change and uh having really intense like eco grief and climate anxiety and fear for the world really cracked me open to my spiritual awakening and helped me move into the space where I am now. Um, I also, my pronouns are she, they, not that I really say that very much, but I do feel the presence of, you know, my multidimensional self, like I'm so much more than just she or him Mm. or whatever, you know, so I like the they, but equally I'm not very open about that, but it feels nice to share that here. And, um, I'm also a white woman of Dutch and Irish heritage. So I'm very aware of my privilege as a European woman and um, have sat with that a lot. And I feel like that's important to centre just as we lean into this conversation. I think ancestral healing is really important and an awareness of like the privilege that I've had growing up in Ireland and having, you know, a third level education and things all help frame my reference in whatever I offer and I do my best to try to come back to like indigenous wisdom keepers um, and really listening with them and um, mm-hmm. and helping center their voices more. So we try to reference them and also like decentering human narratives, like let's talk less about people, human people and more about the animal people and the stone people and the water people and the fire people, you know, like let's not be so focused on just pe- humans um, and just see ourselves more in this complex web of life. So that's a little bit about how I see myself and where I've come from. And um, yeah, super happy to see where you want to flow from there. Thank you for, for giving me the, the floor. Mm. Mm. And now you know why I love Mel. <laughs> oh i mean i wrote down quite a few questions and curiosities that are in so many different directions (laughs) um (laughs) 
Oh, let me just feel into this for a moment. Hmm. I would love to begin with what you were sharing about healing ourselves heals the earth. Mm. Um, I don't know what the audience's perception of this is. Uh, I know like for me, and, and I'm very curious to hear both of your perspectives on this and experiences, I feel like I can see it. I feel... Like I mean, especially during the pandemic, that was like, um, without all of the airplanes and cars all the time, we were seeing so much restoration on in the earth. Um, and I also, this might be a little controversial to say, I view what we call natural disasters as Mama Gaia rebalancing herself. And I know that sometimes the impact is loss of human life. And so I say this with that awareness and with compassion for anyone who has experienced that because I don't want to say that and kind of push that aside and act like that's not also part of it. Um also, my perception of death is very different from society. So anyway, I, if, if you have lost, if you're listening to this, please do not be upset with me for saying that. Um, I do, it's just my belief and, and everyone is allowed to believe whatever they feel. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Um, is there something that, you feel to share that is like um, maybe not so much very well known or shared among mm-hmm. us on how on ways to heal ourselves that are very supportive of healing our earth. Yeah. Mm, I really hear that, and I hear your tenderness around that that view of like you know Gaia as this own wise mm-hmm. being, um, who is going through her own evolution and those natural disasters that come and go are like, you know, Mm. like the weather systems, there are these patterns of change and like there is deep grief when a natural disaster moves through um, a community. Like that's so, that that grief is so really at the core actually of of what's led me into this work. It's like that eco grief, Mm. like the way we grieve with those things. And equally I share some of those views um, as you and I'd love to talk about them and also say that I actually am happy for people to disagree with me and maybe be hurt by what I say but to know that it's held in love and that those tender spots that might be picked that might be poked are like you know really welcome so like one of the one of the cards we pulled at the start here was sensitivity and I think all three of us will do our best to be sensitive with all these topics mm-hmm. But because we're talking about collective and cultural and social change in a death throw collectively, like we're going mm-hmm. through the death of one world and rebirthing. Like I feel like an, an author I love, Sophie Strand, would share a similar view. But like we're kind of on a compost heap at the moment. You know, there's so many things mm-hmm. decomposing and collapsing and shifting. But on the compost heap is so fertile. 
but it's also stinky and messy and like uneasy to be there. So I feel very much like we are there collectively um, and could definitely speak more to that. Um, but I'd love to hear maybe first, Tristy, if you have any thoughts that you'd like to, to weave in that we can move with from there before we dive in. Thank you. Thank you both for sharing. And I, I absolutely hear what you both said about the earth is going through her changes and through her cycles. Um, and some of them are really independent of us human beings being on her. And others are just, uh, just like, how to say, um, Oh, I'm missing the word here. But like other others of them are just like pushed by our presence. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's also like really, and I feel it's kind of like a, a difficult conversation to have uh, very often with all the disasters that are happening and all the lives that are lost and how we move through this by also acknowledging, okay, the earth is evolving and this is actually, we, we are going, we are all collectively heading to a better place. And, um, but this better place, we cannot go there before going and decomposing like all the mucky and yucky stuff of things from the old world yeah. and us three sitting here today is very much we are some of the many midwives out there like decomposing the old world within ourselves and looking forward to embrace the new mm -hmm. and the new earth and the new world um but yeah, I hear you on being on the on the compounds and just being smelly and sticky while it's falling apart. We can definitely feel it within ourselves with all the levels of anxiety and depression that is in all other like mental uh, mental illness um, uh, mental illnesses uh, and issues and health issues and yeah, this is what's happening collectively. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of my teachers, Andrew Harvey, there, there's a few here now that are coming in. So one example is that like we we call Mother Earth, Gaia, like Mother Earth a lot, you know, and um, there's this, if you were to maybe put all of us as humans together collectively into one monolith of just one person and you were to put an age on them, you could maybe say, that we are like a bunch of adolescents. We are, we are a teenager who's going through all these crazy hormonal shifts, who's like pushing against the mom and dad and really angry with them for so many things and can't see the beauty that they've offered them and are really like just in this really tense, uncomfortable, emotionally charged spot. And this is actually from, it's a book called The Myth Gap by Alex Evans. And he talks about how, collectively as humanity 
you know, as we talk about, you know, these really charged topics and words like new earths and evolution or whatever. But we could just look collectively at if we as that person are evolving the human consciousness, we're hopefully maturing into mature adulthood, you know, which has contact with the inner child. Like as we mature into the archetype of the mother or the father, which this really happened for me during my ordination, I really felt this shift from maidenhood to motherhood. And as I touched into motherhood, the divine child was so present there too. So like we mature into adulthood, but also keep our innocence is hopefully where we're going. Like hopefully that's where each individual person goes and it's hopefully where we're going as a collective. That means that mother earth is also in an initiation and a transition into grandmother earth. So she's kind of coming out of this place of like being the mother who's been kind of abused by her her narcissistic teenager who's been hitting her and hurting her and like shaming her and really pushing against and kind of gaslighting her to think like, wait, like, have I not been loving them? Have I not been providing all this abundance and this beauty? Like, are we not seeing the same thing? And as we're becoming to become aware of that again and return to that consciousness, which, you know, indigenous peoples have held forever of this abundant, loving, giving earth that offers all that we need, like this kind of Garden of Eden image. Um, and I'm aware of the tension in that with indigenous worldviews and the violences of Christianity. That tension is somewhere I try to lean into. Um, but so as we're moving there, grandmother earth is kind of like, it's almost like Andrew Harvey's image is that she's like a dog and we're fleas and she's kind of shaking us off. And if we aren't going to actually evolve with her, then she's going to shake us off because we're we're not we're not helping the system. You know, that happens through like look at the dinosaurs for whatever reason. They were largely wiped out and then the mammals took over in the evolution of history. You know, like these cycles are natural and normal. And I feel like. There's no like, oh, we have to save the earth. And I think when I was a really passionate climate activist, mm-hmm. I really felt like we have to save the earth, like the earth is collapsing and oh no, but like the earth mm-hmm. is going to be just fine. Like we're not mm-hmm. going to have these same native ecosystems that we had a hundred years ago in like 2000 years in the future, but like there will be an earth. Maybe that will be ravaged by nuclear weapons going off, like hopefully not. Maybe it will be these whole new ecosystems that we can't even imagine. And maybe humans will be a significant part of that. And maybe we won't be. Mm. But like, and I think that's why it's important to help decenter human narratives in this exploration is because like the yew tree outside has a some sense of the future, like not in the same way we have it, but like the ecosystem of plants and animals and the waterways are going to shape that future just as much as we are. And actually, I think if we can sit back a little bit more, rather than always think we have to do and fix and it has to be a human solution Mm. for the future and sit back a little bit, we can actually let this whole robust ecosystem that is already alive and wet and throbbing there come in more, rewild, regenerate and help really shape this new future that's like you're saying, Eva, in this space, like a collaboration into the future that's messy Mm -hmm. and organic and wild and kind of mysterious. But I think we can actually free ourselves from a lot of this like self-imposed responsibility that we have to save the world. It has to be a human solution Mm -hmm. that that gets us through the shift. Yes, humans are evolving, but it's not all about us either. It's we're not the ones creating this new earth. Like it's a collaboration. It's a new way that's happening Mm -hmm. and it's not on our shoulders to create. And that's it. That's that 
adolescent arrogance to think that that's mm-hmm. what's leading us forward. And I think that's part of what we're shedding in this evolution into the more mm-hmm. mature consciousness. So I feel like I went on a bit of a tangent with that, but would love to hear how that's standing. <laughs> And exactly this, and this is kind of like a synchronicity of the, and or like a copy of the of a conversation I had yesterday, and it was exactly this: the mm. earth does not need us to save her; like mm. she will shake us off as fleas, and like in hundred years time, she'll be back in her reign, in her um, everything will be green again. Like, mm-hmm. It's us who need the earth. Absolutely. And in that, like, there's a really important part here for me because I can sometimes kind of disassociate into that vision of the future, into that beautiful, like, new earth, going back to the Garden of Eden, this living in alignment with nature kind of space Mm -hmm. in my head. And I can actually just, like, totally disconnect and disassociate from like the real grief that is really present here on earth in this shift and I think Mm. our way of getting there is to actually put our brakes on hold that vision in our heart like that vision in my heart has saved me through really intense times in my life where you know death did seem like a better option but knowing that that I had that glimmer of hope in my heart kept me going so we need to keep the seed of that hope and yet descend into the reality of the grief the pain the shame the hurt the violence and war of being a human now because if we can't be with that and be with the conflict and be with the discomfort and be with the disease we actually can't we're not being embodied enough to actually make that that transition because we Mm. like the only way out is through like we have to go through this pain to get to whatever it is on the other side so And that's actually why I've really come back to Christianity as a pathway for me. Like I've come through earth-based spirituality practices. Then I went to Buddhism and like yoga and Hinduism, which Mm. felt kind of, they felt neutral to me. I could learn Mm. about the spiritual process with those as practice pieces without my rage at the church to get in the way. And now that I've learned more about the spiritual process and being with my own emotions and being with that, that transition, I've learned actually to come back to Christianity and really see how the path of Christ, the path of Yeshua, and when I say Yeshua or Jesus, that's Jesus in Hebrew, I mean this wild wandering rabbi who was speaking the common tongue, the like language of the commoners, was going out with the fishermen, was walking barefoot, was homeless, was talking with all the people, you know, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the the lepers, all the people that rest of society shunned. Like he was radically loving, inclusive brown person who lived in what is now Palestine. Um, and so that's the Jesus I'm talking about, not this like white painted Jesus that we see in all these Catholic churches. So this wild wandering rabbi, um, <clears throat> Um, his path is actually more like the feminine path even though he came in a masculine body it's about descending into that and being with the grief being with the heartache being homeless giving it all away radically as opposed to some path of ascension and I found that in my in my relations with Buddhism and also with these kind of like new age spirituality things of like ascending and light language and kind of 
this ascension like it's all about activating and up leveling and going up higher it's like no 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 no. it's actually coming down lower it's like how can my spiritual process my relationship with god and the divine bring me more into the sacred heart like that giving my heart away so it breaks open again and again and again and i actually can stay with the grief that you know the the melting permafrost in the arctic that that is breaking apart communities in like Inuit lands um, to stay with that, to stay with the people on the reservations in the States who don't have electricity and running water because they've been ostracized and are still dealing with colonization, like to stay with, you know, the traveling community in Ireland that are still pushed to the fringes and the people who are migrating from all over the world and looking for home and receiving such like resistance, you know, because like people aren't welcoming each other. It's like, so I find the Christ path is helping me stay with that much more than my Buddhist practice did. Now that's also within me and my own kind of evolving spiritual practice, but it's why I'm coming back to Christianity in a way that feels actually really true for my spiritual path. When like 10 years ago, if you asked me to relate to Jesus, I would have just screamed. I did scream at my dad trying to bring me to church. I was like, I'm not going to church where there's so much sexual abuse and and stuff going on you know I really resisted it and I feel like now I've been able to reconnect with Christ and the true message of that outside of the institution of the church like out on the land out in the in the waterways in the streams Um, and that's really helping me stay with the reality of the change that we're going through and all its heartbreak that it's bringing because it's so much heartbreak Mm, we might be here for multiple days with you Mel (laughs) you are sparking up so much that I want to (laughs) explore um I just want to share this one quote that I found many years ago that I really love that I feel like puts words to also what you're sharing around Um, religion and spirituality and kind of where they blend together. Um, And I'm not sure who said this quote, but I've seen it so many times, but there is no reference to the source. Um, But it is, Buddha was not a Buddhist. Jesus was not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Muhammad was not a Muslim. They were teachers who taught love. Love was their religion. And that, Mm. I feel like... Also, um, just in this last two months, I had a huge shift in my perspective around religion. Um, So just a little bit of background. I grew up with, so we come from Orthodox, which is like a branch of Christianity for anyone who is not familiar. (laughs) Um, And my parents were not like, um, they weren't very dedicated to church like we would go for maybe like easter or not really christmas more so easter and then um maybe zadushnitsa which is like our um day of the dead like honoring those that have passed um so it was very like here and there sporadic and not consistent so i kind of had freedom to you know, believe whatever I wanted. And we had our saint icons everywhere around the house, but it wasn't like go pray at the altar or anything like that. Um, 
and and I ha- I actually went to Catholic schools from middle of fourth grade through eighth grade, so I was exposed to Catholicism. And I never resonated with it, and I just kind of would go through the motions, but I didn't really feel it, and I didn't really feel a connection to God. And for many years, I've, we've talked with about this with Christi, I had resistance to the word God itself. And when people would say, like, source, universe, I was like, yes, I I love that, but I don't like the word God. And then I realized that actually it's not about the word God, because it's the same thing we're describing. It's the same energy, the same um, source. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain mm-hmm. it, but but it, it's it's just whatever resonates with you. And, and I realized that I wasn't angry or resistant toward God. I was angry and resistant toward the manipulation and the um, oppression mm-hmm. and the disrespect and um, dictatorship of the the religions and the brainwashing too that can happen where and and so for me too the I'm sorry I'm like kind of going off on a, a little bit of a ramble but mm-hmm. um but like for me too there's an element of like lack of sovereignty that we lose. Like right now I still have triggers with people that are very religious, but it's not, it's not that they're religious. It's when they put their power outside of themselves. When they say, I need to do this because God told me I need to do this because because that's what they said at church, or I need to do this to be like the good girl or the good boy to receive this, to go to have it. Like, and then there's almost like a lack of sense of kind of what you were sharing Mel about. We need to descend into our human experience. And it's almost like just this, continuous trying to get the approval of this being you know however the person interprets it it up like in the sky or wherever um and that's where I still have a little bit of trigger (laughs) around religion but I've been able to shift into realizing that if people are religious and they are able to come from a space of genuine love they're then we can believe different things and still have love for one another. And that has created a lot more compassion and connection with people who are very religious. Um, and, um, oh, and, and actually this, this actually connects beautifully to a question that I wanted to ask you um, is I'm curious, like, since you've explored all of these different um, branches of experience with spirituality, let's say, um, do you, what, what do you feel like you would love to share with people around how we can drop more into love and connection with people that do have different beliefs from us or are very rooted in their Christianity and Catholicism 
um, like beliefs. And one last piece that I want to share before I let you take this one is um, I also have realized that sometimes the reason people are so connected to their religion is because in a time of crisis or in a time where they felt very lost and disconnected, that was what helped them continue on, kind of like how you were saying, keeping that seed in our heart. So I also just want to share for anyone who's maybe never really thought about this, that that might be why people are so connected to these religions. And so there is some compassion there for that and understanding. But I'd love to hear either of you really what you have to say. <laughs> so as I mentioned at the start, I'm cat sitting and Frodo is outside my door meowing to go outside. So I'm going to just tend to him for a minute. So maybe he's going to share or we might pause, whatever feels good. But I'm just going to go and tend to the more than human world for a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, thanks for that, Eva. Um, Frodo is happy downstairs with his food now, so we can go back. And what I was hearing was a kind of a question around people who are using religion really like a safety blanket, which I think is what any of us and all of us do with all of our beliefs. But there is a very, like my training was as an interfaith minister. So over the course of two years, I got to like experientially learn about and explore six different world faith paths and also my own in in the way that it was becoming experientially through like speaking to people to listening and learning and reading and visiting sacred spaces and you know so it was a really beautiful like eye-opening way into learning about more faith paths and traditions and one of my teachers Hannah Williams she has um, on Instagram it's called the spiritual process she um has this really beautiful way of putting it that really resonated with me. I came across it last year and it's like universalism isn't a path. Like we all want to, to be in this universal oneness of like experiencing source, experiencing God, experiencing love, you know, in its, in its wholeness. Like I think a lot of us, especially in like this, the new age spiritual community or these kind of interfaith where we've kind of, woven our own paths from lots of different ways that resonate with us there's this really um you know we know the truth that like there is many wells there's one river we all are feeling that that at the root of all world religions at the root of all different spiritual practices like we're meeting the same one which is what I heard you saying you know it's all God it's all source it's all the universe it's it's all that one vibratory field of being that we're all existing in and but that's not a path in itself like that's the goal it's not the path and actually it's really helpful to have a specific path to get there which is the benefit I think of engaging fully with a specific faith path so my background came from earth-based faith paths but I didn't find a specific school of thought except for like nature itself was my beginning of a faith path was just listening and responding to nature feeling the communications between different animals and plants and waterways and feeling my relational experience of being in nature but I didn't have specific teachers except like human teachers um, to help me understand it more like what was actually happening to my being so then I found Buddhism and I committed wholeheartedly to a Buddhist practice for four years. So 
even though I did read in, touch into different things, I had a practice where I would get up in the morning and I would chant for 20 minutes at least, maybe 40 minutes or an hour every morning and would chant the same mantra so that like every day I had the same practice that I was going back to again and again and again to see how I was shifting and changing. Whereas when we have these kind of picks a bit of everything, it can be hard to see how we're changing because we we change our practice with how we change. And now I also go through times of doing this, like this is normal part of the practice, but it can be really good to have a specific path, whether that's the gene keys or tarot or whatever it is for any person to have a specific focus that helps frame your relationship with that so you see how you're changing because it's like a mirror um, to our inner experience and so now I'm choosing to really center myself in Christianity even though it's so uncomfortable and it makes me squirm and I do not want that as my safety blanket because it doesn't feel safe it feels challenging it feels like it's offensive to loads of people it feels like it's caused loads of harm it feels like there's loads of shame and ickiness in it but by choosing to to be framed in that I'm actually engaging with all these things in a much more robust way so like I'm talking from my personal perspective um, about the value of religion actually rather than where I was coming from before as I as I had my spiritual awakening and before like when I was very atheist I thought religion was the most infantile stupid like I I really judged it I thought anybody that was religious like had a problem like was a child and needed to believe in some god and some story to feel okay but we are all children we all need a story we all need something to believe in to feel okay and I so I think seeing that as the truth of religious experience is like it's a way to feel safe and seeing the really strong benefit of having a particular path that doesn't mean you have to agree with it all it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you don't have your own personal opinions and of course there are some people that do still have quite um an innocent childlike view of their faith and maybe haven't started questioning it yet but we can actually like Ken Wilber talks a lot about integral spirituality, where we move through that very kind of childlike faith that I used to have. I used to be like, please, God, make this thing happen. And I promise I'll believe in you. You know, this real like bargaining with God. I think some people stay in that through their whole faith progress. And that's just their path. You know, it's I think we need to be deeply OK that that is some people's path to stay in that bargaining place with God and to not question it too much and to kind of live their lives in that space. And that's okay. Like that's their path. Then there's people who are more challenging it and very really putting their rational mind to it and kind of testing a lot of the practices and kind of struggling against it. And then we can move up to this, this part that kind of brings like these mythic rational parts um, and this innocence all into one where actually it can all be really welcomed. So I think that's part of what we're evolving to in that adult consciousness that I was naming at the start is like Mm -hmm. this place where it's really all welcome, like at whatever stage that anyone is at. And for me, I, I feel like part of what helps me relate to someone, if I'm struggling to see where they are and I'm judged, part of me is judging it and thinking it's wrong or they shouldn't be like that or, you know, they're being manipulated by the church or something like that's that person's path. And if they're meant to challenge that and move from that and find their own way of relating in some way, that's that that's their path. And I find rather than than feeling like I need to be some like 
savior or rescuer or trying to help them and shake them out of something what's actually more helpful is for me to sit back and like really deeply trust that they are on their path and really give them like the benefit of the of the doubt that they are exactly where they need to be like how many people have experienced really intense religious trauma and have broken free from that and have done enormously good things you know in the world and also how many people have stayed raised and lived in one specific religion and have equally done really gorgeous beautiful things with their lives you know to in little or small ways like it doesn't need to be grand it can literally be to do lots of lovely little acts of kindness for your community you know and even if talking to a person we might go oh I don't think you're really questioning a lot of the things the church has taught you but if at the end of the day, the way they live their life is that they genuinely try to be kind, then, you know, who are we to judge? Who are we to have any say about what somebody should believe when we we have our safety blankets too, you know, of, of yeah, what we yeah. believe in whatever way we've made, shaped it for ourselves. So I don't know if that really touched on what you were saying. I feel like it did in some ways, but I also mm-hmm. feel like there's more challenges and questions and places we could go. So I like back <laughs> I want to give Christy some space here if she wants to weave anything I was just like so enjoying and taking it in uh, it's um, no it's 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 really beautiful what you shared Mel and um, like I for myself I am like I was brought up as Orthodox Christian, the same as Eva. And like, to be honest, and we were talking about recording a podcast about religion and spirituality, and it actually it's happening now. So <laughs> amazing. Um, where we get to talk and unpack those things, because I, I, I think it's, it's very, very important Um so and and like myself as well, I I was like squirming and like at, even until now, I'm I'm squirming when somebody. So where I have my own issue is, I I can respect everyone's beliefs and everyone's path and everyone's safety blanket and whatever works for everyone to protect their hearts and to support them in coping with this madness called human experience. What I really don't appreciate on my end is being like getting imposed somebody's beliefs on me. This is something that I'm trying and I'm not doing it. I'm not only not trying, like I'm not doing it on anyone to, oh, okay, giving just an example. Well, yeah, it's a hard time, but Jesus will help you or um, or like uh, Allah or, or Buddha or like whatever the, the, the person, whatever the, the frame is of the safety blanket. Um so this is for my experience. I'm still finding it like, I know it's coming from a good place, but just don't project your beliefs or your safety blankets on me. Um, so I'm still, for me, for example, and I would love to hear also like your um, your thoughts around that, Mel, like as 
as irreverent as well uh, as a is it appropriate to say professional <laughs> i i'd say so yeah Minister Mel. yeah yeah <laughs> um, like how for because for example on my end i want to be respectful and i want to pay reverence to every every path but when when for example somebody will come with their projected beliefs towards me and like try to communicate through them with me like i can i can very much sense like there is this wall coming up and i'm like nope don't bring your don't bring your shit here. <laughs> I'm not listening. And then even if they have something valuable and good to say and to offer as advice or as as kind word, I'm not listening already with one of my ears. Mm-hmm. So a lot of goodness can be just lost or skipped this way. So, yeah, um, yeah what's what's your... What's your take on that? I'd really love to hear. Mm. Um, it brings me to the heart of a subject that I'm really passionate about, which is communication and conflict resolution and mm. how we can learn to speak better, how we can learn to relate better, listen better, and actually have more constructive dialogue so that we can lean more into those places. Because firstly, I would say, like, and this isn't me being prescriptive, but the word I want to say is like, God bless your boundary. Like, God bless that wall that goes up around your heart that is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's not for me. Like, <laughs> hallelujah. Like, Jesus away from me or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, what a beautiful protective part of you that is minding you that has obviously experienced, you know, things being pushed and forced mm-hmm. on you before that were not for you and were not true for you and your, your path. And you've developed this shield of protection. Like, great. Like, we need that in the world. You know, I feel like we're born this really, say, pure, bright light, right? As a, as a little newborn, when we come into the earth, our soul is all fresh and shiny and just incarnated. And then we start building these shields and defenses and kind of start figuring out things as we learn because it kind of keeps us safe. And then we wake up again and then it's like, oh, I can actually let go of these and maybe let that one go and see how that feels and let this one go. And maybe I'll put a veil here instead of a shield and see how that feels and start letting our light out again. You know, it's so those shields are so valuable. Firstly, is like to not shame those, to not try to get rid of them in ourselves straight away because they're they're precious and then if we do want to lean into those so much of that is because like there's a friction with the person but we disagree with something they say and we don't know how to disagree healthily a lot of the time we know how to disagree loudly and shout and scream and go that's wrong we know how to shut down and just not engage at all like fight flight freeze or fawn or just oh yeah yeah I agree I agree and then turn around and go I don't agree with any of that. (laughs) You know, so it's, I think there's a lot there in kind of our trauma Mm. response and learning. How can we actually use our language to firstly come back into our body? I love nonviolent communication to be like, what am I feeling? What's my need associated with that feeling? Like maybe in a case where someone is putting something on you, you have a need of like, actually, can you just not 
say that about me. Like, I love that that's true for you, but it's not true for me. But I still want to have this conversation with you. Like, can we have this conversation? But can you be more mindful of your language around that and just keep, can you use I language more instead of you language? Or, you know, mm-hmm. or like I have, a, I have a really good friend of mine where, and with most of my friends, to be honest, where like we kind of, we ask permission. Actually, Christy and I do this a lot. We ask permission if we're going to vent or talk about something. Like we might send a voice note or kind of be like, do you have space for this? Like, can I we bring this to you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and then then you can receive wholeheartedly. Whereas, so I think mm-hmm. there's lots of like detangling and then there's like, co- conflict is intimate. Conflict is like having sex with someone. It's so tender. It pokes on so many sensitive, intimate bits that sometimes it's just better to not, you know, sometimes with the stranger in the pub who's talking to you about Jesus and you're kind of rolling your eyes and you're like, you know what thank you but no and just let our fight flight and freeze responses be whatever they are but in our friendships in our families in our places where we do want these conversations and they're tender like we can kind of weigh up is there a benefit in leading into this leaning into this this conflict this struggle this tension like will will it actually be beneficial because in that place of tension is where diamonds are formed you know like when carbon comes under extreme pressure or when rock metamorphoses into marble like it can be so beautiful to go into that space but can it be done with consent can it be done Mm -hmm. with slowness can it be done with a mindfulness of going I really appreciate this conversation and I'm feeling like my hackles are up I feel tense can we take a pause or can we take some deep breaths? Can we go on a walk and see if the walk will help us move the energy? You know, so I, I think mm. it's about seeing that barrier and then deciding, is it worth leaning into this with this person? And then doing the relational work that it takes to heal that relationship, to to work with our words, to work with our communication, to be able to have these conversations. Because like I've been gushing to you, Christy, about Jesus a lot for the last few weeks. And I, even though we've disagreed on things and you don't see it all the way I do I think we've had really like fruitful conversations and you've been able to like receive my passion and listen to me talk about Jesus in a way that I haven't felt like you've put that wall up and you've mm-hmm. really pushed you know and so we've been able to be in that space of like differing views but it's really fertile you know it's like really generative there's so much life here it's like that compost heap Absolutely. but like oh like yum what's here to grow it's and it's amazing and this is something that i um i have brought to you as well like i'm feeling that through you like i love your loving jesus like i absolutely love it first of all because you're not trying to impose it on me you're just when you Mm. share when mel shares she's sharing from her heart and from her love and like her eye perspective um, so this is something that I really love and admire and as well is supporting me healing my relationship mm-hmm. with with Jesus in a way like I don't know where it it will lead in a way but it's like it's helping me see see the whole thing through a different lens and not mm-hmm. only the lens that I was brought up with. And this God that is 
frowning upon you if you do something wrong or it's like this kind of like bargaining like the child in the bargain like oh god if you do this for me i will uh, xyz and i literally i i had to laugh when you said like this bargaining like the childish version of um of being religious i remember me being on the schoolyard and i was i was probably 10 or something and we were playing ball. And I was very under the influence of my grandma at the time. And she was very, very spiritual and very religious. And she was talking to me uh, about God and uh, and Jesus all the time in her loving way. And I remember I went literally into this bargaining of like, okay, Jesus, if you help me win this game, I will... <laughs> something i will name my first child after you or something <laughs> i was like i, I have to laugh <laughs> right now. um but um yeah so those conversations are really what well you said is really like a fertile soil because we're learning and we're communicating okay this feels uncomfortable for me can you can you maybe reframe it? Can you maybe try to explain it to me a bit differently? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, really a beautiful dance of, okay, I'm here to learn. I'm open-hearted and open-minded. I'm here to learn because this will expand my own my own heart. This will expand my own vision for for spirit with regardless the name we put on it like mm-hmm. let, let's dance let's dance here let's let's see what it has for us both and those are like beautiful beautiful conversations yeah. So, yeah. thank you i have something that i want to share on this topic um, some of it is an echo of what Mel was saying. I think the communication piece is, is definitely at the very heart of these interactions. It's so important the way that things are being communicated because that's going to be the difference between someone going into their fight, flight, freeze or being able to sit with you and really listen. Um But what was coming through for me as I was listening to you share was um, I I think like if if we do have boundaries, like Christy was saying, like that wall comes up of this is like I know this is definitely a boundary for me. It's if you feel comfortable in that moment with that person that you just inter- like met, maybe um, go ahead and invoice that, like share that you can, that can be done in a very like respectful way that doesn't have to lead to conflict. I think that's that we're also so used to, setting a boundary equals conflict automatically. Like I'm going against this person or feeling afraid and anxious. How are they going to respond to this? So then we're like, oh, I don't even want to go there because I I just don't want it. I'm just going to walk away and avoid it at all. But 
then also maybe there are moments where that's a disservice actually, because that was an opportunity of deeper connection and supporting both people in healing things. So I think communicating like, you know, this actually is not my experience and, and my beliefs. I would love to hear what your personal experience and beliefs are. I'm open to hearing that. And again, kind of what Mel was saying, like, I'd love for you to share and use more I language and say, like, this is my belief, because it it really is like, we each have our own truths. There is no like the truth. It's all, all of ours exist at once. Mm-hmm. And so really, I think honoring that and the other element that was really coming through too was like, can we drop the labels and just look at this person in the eyes and recognize you're a human, I'm a human, and here we are together, and we have something we want to experience and just really like view it from that perspective of this is just a human just sharing their experience, even if they don't have the perfect language to express it. That's at the heart, you know, what's happening. Yeah. And, and it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> Let's acknowledge that. <laughs> um, yeah. I really hear what you're saying, Eva, about like holding the preciousness of that moment of like two hearts meeting and how mm-hmm. we can set boundaries politely and kindly. We can yes. do it gently, like before we're triggered because we see, oh, this is not a good chat for me. And if it is something we can open into that, it can be just this beautiful jewel of whatever experience. But there is something coming up, like my intention at the beginning was to speak from my body. And what Mm -hmm. I'm really feeling really strongly is this really deep pain in my heart. Um, Like Mm. like it makes me want to yawn. It like makes me think that like when when I, the week before my ordination, when we were doing vow taking, part of my vow was to hold my sacred grief at the the heart of my practice at the heart of my being because I know how yeah it's holy you know it's a holy thing to grieve I think it's like the the flip side of love and what I'm feeling just in talking about this is like how for all of us you know of like American and European descent like we have so many wounds around the church and for me from my own experience a lot of my hurt was like the sexual abuse that was that was done Mm -hmm. um and also my own experience as a sexual being growing up with all that shame around like my body and being a woman and the amount of shame around that so like Mm -hmm. I just feel like I feel like it doesn't feel just mine it feels like I'm feeling all of your heartbreaks around this too and like the collective of like people who are listening like that deep rage and grief and pain that is in this space and like and like holding that preciously tenderly because it's like that's why this is so fruitful for us to actually do use the label Christianity whether we use it as a path or not but to like feel the flavor of it to to sense into it because a piece of my practice and something that I think is so core to this healing of where we are at right now, like healing with the earth is ancestral healing and being so mm-hmm. aware and 
really with like the abuses of the churches and the experiences of people as Christians, like which have been beautiful and painful. You know, like I have here my great grandmother's rosary beads on my Dutch mm-hmm. side, and um, Maria Lucia uh, was her name, and. I had this really powerful experience of praying the rosary in Irish and using my Dutch grandmother's rosary beads and feeling this really strong resonance of how every single one of my near ancestors would have prayed the rosary at some stage, like, you know, or like kind of widening circles of like great grandmother, great, great grandmother, like going back. Um, It is the most near and relevant practice for me as an Irish woman and as a Dutch woman. Um, So I'm feeling like how many shackles I'm freeing by letting Christianity move through me, letting it move through my heart, letting me feel the grief, letting me sit with the the rage of my female ancestors that were like suppressed and shamed and squashed away. I mean, during the witch trials in Europe, the first women that were um, prosecuted were the midwives. And this is a decree sent by the Pope. I think they ironically call him Pope Innocent or something awful like that. Um, but th- there was like this manual called the Witch's Hammer, which was all about like how to persecute and how to, to you know, get all mm. these people who were being burned as witches. And the first women that were targeted were midwives because they took away some of the pain of a woman in labor. But that was because of Eve's original sin and women deserved that pain. So a woman who was trying to mitigate that or take it away was doing the devil's work. So like, there's a deep pain in my heart of that truth and I I just think people who are listening to this are probably very much feeling that too as are all of we and I just that feels very much at the core and I don't want to talk about all this stuff about Christianity and how I'm engaging with it without actually first or not first Mm -hmm. now naming that that pain and that grief is at the center of my practice with Christianity like that's why it feels fruitful and interesting and dynamic for me as a spiritual practice because it touches so many pain points in a way it kind of feels a bit like BDSM but with my spiritual practice (laughs) but I kind of love it (laughs) Um, yeah and there is like even in that there is a submission in surrendering to that pain in surrendering to God um I do actually feel like I do what God tells me to do I also know that I have free will and I have choice but when I get a knowing from spirit Mm -hmm. from God from life that this is something I have to do I've lived in ways where I don't listen to that and I've gotten really sick my mental health's gotten really bad and I've just wanted Mm -hmm. to not be on on planet earth anymore whereas when I listen to that impulse of life of God of spirit of whatever name the divine And when I listen and respond to that, even when I have no idea where it's taking me, when I have no idea how my life will look, my life gets better, even though it's more mystical and weird and out there. But it feels truer Mm. for me, you know, so I I do really listen to the will of God, like which for me feels like the ecosystem, feels like the cosmos, feels like the moon, the stars and like life itself. What is life asking of me? Not just what's my ego asking of me, not just what's my higher self asking of me, but really being like, how can I be of service to the world? You know, like, how can I be of service in a wider way? And what's life inviting me to live into, even though it's 
time and time again, it's leveled my life. So it looks nothing like I thought it would look and I have to start all over again. But every time it seems to get more beautiful and there's grief in it too, but it it almost feels like Mm. more pure or something or more sacred. It's like, I feel Mm. it more fully rather than it being like this kind of numb shadow of a feeling of sadness. It's like, I feel the potency of grief rip my heart open and want to die and then get to come back and I get to love equally as fully which for me feels like a really deep message and lesson from Mary Magdalene who is the woman I followed through my ministry I listened to Mary Magdalene and that's how I ended up on this path towards becoming a minister it's like she is fully human and fully divine and in that fully humanness she invites us to feel the depths of grief and the heights of heights of joy the heights of love and feel it all like not live in this little narrow emotional bandwidth but really to feel everything like let it crack me open because like why else are we here like is that not mm. what human is you know um mm. yeah and yeah um I love <laughs> a lot <laughs> what a babe mm. <laughs> Have you read the Sophia Code or done anything with that? I've tried it. It's, uh, I have it as an audiobook and I don't love the reader, how it's read. And it just hasn't, mm. like it's kind of called me and then it just, it kind of goes like, no, mm. no, so, yeah. I have the same experience. <laughs> That's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I heard a podcast with the author and I was like, oh, I really like this. And then. I, um, every time I go to get the audiobook, there's just something that's kind of like doesn't quite feel right. So then I just haven't even purchased it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, oh, um, I just want to circle back to what you were sharing around the pain of the sexual abuse and and that element to it um especially like I guess my intention with tuning back into this and honoring that is for anyone listening um I guess I I love to hear what what you feel called to share like around actually healing that or sitting with that and yeah, just whatever you feel called to share, because I don't want to like jump over it, like because it was it did feel very um, potent. So thank you. I really appreciate the space to speak into this because it's it really is at the core of my practice, my experience with God, my spiritual path, and it's part of me that I've very much been healing and working with on my own, and now it's it feels like this time of Lent. I'm beginning to become more outward with it. So I so appreciate that question, Eva, and for you hearing that, because it, it is very true. Um, It was hugely significant in my healing, my relationship with God experience. We wrote two letters, one of how all the grievances, all the rage, all the anger of everything of like, how dare God do all this? And for me, that threaded all the way back to my 15-year-old self shouting at my dad on Christmas morning and saying, I do not want to go to church to worship a bunch of child molesters. 
that was my word. Like that was the rage point for me, was that feeling. Now, in my in the healing, the next letter we wrote was of all the beauty, of all the gorgeousness, of all the blessings that God has brought and the, the fruit of that. And in that process in the middle, as we as a class processed that piece around healing the relationship with God, sexual abuse came up so much it's something that comes into my field often I sit with many people who've experienced that it is so strong and in me I have an embodied experience of sexual abuse and yet I don't have an abuser there's no one person that I point to and say they abused me because I what my experience of this is that I was sexually abused by the culture that I grew up in by the exposure to pornography from a really young age from the hypersexualization that I experienced in media, in songs, in how I was viewed, how I was basically like manipulated by the culture to view myself as a sexual being for the objectification of other people and of men. And I love men. Big part of my path is my deep love for men. I love men and helping the divine masculine rise is such a joyful part of my path. So this is not mm. a I hate men, but it was I that message of objectification was so ingrained in my body that I did not need an abuser. I went out and did it myself. I like put myself on that altar of that, that sexual offering to the world because it it was just so ingrained in me. Like from, yeah, like I said, like porn and the hypersexualization. So I really have a very strong embodied experience. I've done a lot of womb work, um, a lot of releasing of past partners, of womb trauma, of, you know, feeling the grief. And in the process of that healing the relationship with God and hearing the resonance of that with other people's stories as they shared, I it just cracked me open and I just wailed and cried and screamed and I lay on the earth and I just felt all of the pain of that move through me. And it didn't feel like just mine, like it felt very collective in a really like wide way. And like I guess the part of that that healing for me was that like the feeling it and the feeling of it in community of like we're not alone like so many of us Mm -hmm. have felt this so many of us have experienced this in our bodies and there's such a deep fear of feeling it you know like I know a lot of people who like their actual their body is very close to sex because when when we're penetrated as like people with wombs and pussies and who receive into us that releases so much tension that we hold in our womb, like our wombs and our pussies hold the memory of Mm -hmm. all of that. And not just for us, it's for our collective, it's for the ancestors, it's for all of our mothers, mothers, mothers who were raped and in marital bonds and and unions and people without their consent. Like it's so um, present in our bodies as women that like for a lot of us, our our senses to close up and to be quite quite painful for that entrance whereas for other people myself included it's been an opening and an opening into it and so I process a lot through sex as well so a lot of my healing has actually been through conscious beautiful mindful sex with gorgeous men who I deeply love and feel so blessed to have had in my life and have been able to hold me tenderly have been able to you know, after a sexual experience where I'm crying, be able to hold me and to move through it together in love. So my healing with that has very much been with men as opposed to in women's circles. And actually, it's only now that it's coming into my women's circle spaces after I've Mm. moved through a lot of that healing with men. So there's a piece for me around 
how important it is to be with men in this because they feel all of that too like you know mm-hmm. the feeling of every man being viewed as a potential rapist and abuser when actually so many men are deeply loving kind caring husbands and brothers and uncles and dads and you know like that's not to say that that fear is invalid but that fear is so strong in the female collective at the moment that like it's men are really terrified and actually for me I found to be able to be in union with men has been so profoundly healing um and part of that for me was a deep acknowledgement of my own feminine shadow and the ways that I was playing into it the way that I molded myself to be this like sexual performer to be like this pornographic girl and how I you know so because I feel like I, there's not one abuser I took in these messages and then I kind of shaped myself to it I feel like mm. there was a really strong piece for me in reclaiming my feminine power my feminine shadow rather than just projecting onto like the toxic masculine and just pointing a finger at men it was like oh wait no where am I in this and how do I have that power and as I reclaimed that like there were so many icky gross behavior patterns that had to be cleared up which is part of why I'm so passionate about good communication and healthy conflict and being able to express our needs and then bringing that learning of that communication and body awareness into sexual spaces into loving union with men that has been a huge 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 healing of my relationship with my sex, with sex in general. And through that, my healing, my relationship with God and actually realizing that God was never the abuser. It was the church. It was the distortions through the true, true human ego. That That's the abuse. It's not God. God is the ultimate divine masculine, beautiful father who is genuinely benevolent and kind and is minding each of us as divine children. So healing that as well means I've been able, able to feel that divine god through my partners you know like and that's been really mm. so it's this deep healing with the masculine that's actually really mm. helped safe in my body again um which all came first through the womb so it was like first descending to the womb really listening to the wisdom of my body really feeling the pain and the grief and now moving more into uh, this inner union of like divine masculine and feminine and then also mm-hmm. letting myself experience that outwardly in in partners and it's just so profound and I feel so grateful that this is my path even though it's so fucking painful it's so pleasurable too so I love the duality mm-hmm. and the intensity of it um so I don't know if that speaks to anybody else's experience but that's what's true for me and that's where a lot of my passion comes from um, and my deep desire to help heal with with men with the masculine and with with all mm. of all genders you know because we all relate to these binaries in different ways and um yeah my heart feels very like kind of raw after sharing but also there's a deep gratitude to have had this space and I know it's it's kind of being late in the podcast and not everyone is going to listen in this deeply and only people who are really are feeling a resonance with this conversation will be here. So mm-hmm. I feel quite safe to be in this deep mm-hmm. end with you and with the beautiful mm-hmm. people who are listening and um, really appreciate this gorgeous pocket of space to share. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for listening and holding that with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing yeah thank you the um 
Yeah, I just want to take a moment and really deeply thank you for sharing all of that. You're you're raw and vulnerable and and also what your journey has been with this healing of the the sexual um abuse so you touched on so many elements. Like I said, I feel like I can talk to you for days. <laughs> um one part that I do want to really highlight because it's been really active in my field and also Christy, if you have anything to, to share on this too, you're more than welcome. Um, I feel like I am witnessing and moments in women's circles where it's all about like empowering the divine feminine and there's almost like uh, pointing the finger and having a lot of resistance toward the masculine. And I personally am standing in this space of like, well, I want both. I want to be balanced in both of them. I recognize that we need both of them. And so all of the oppression and from like the toxic masculine that's happened yes, that's not okay. And I, I see us setting the boundary and really finding the, the, like our voices in that while also if we are resisting it and pointing the finger and blaming and only for divine feminine, then we're doing the same thing just in a different color. And so I, I'd i really love to hear what you have to share around this because I feel like it's something that I'm seeing so much and especially in women's circles. Like there's nothing wrong with women's circles. They're beautiful. I personally feel more comfortable to open up to women. I, I I don't know what it is. Like men are men are definitely different. Um and that's okay. Like, you know, there are people that I feel like are meant to support men on their journey because they also have a ton of things to heal and that they need support in. So so I'm all for all of us having the support. But really how how do we find the balance with both? Because I I'd love for us to also spread that message of of like it we do need both. And I don't wanna be like only like, oh, because that feels like very like feminist <laughs> movement, you know, where it's almost like renouncing the masculine. It's like we have both of these energies. We can't reject one and then try to rise raise the other you know of course mm. yeah i feel that so much um do you have something you want to say there christy <laughs> i just thought of and and thank you for for sharing eva because like from all our our enthusiastic nods i can see we're all on the same page with that um and yeah, just putting the same same thing with different color. We need both. We need men. We need women. We need all the non-binary folks. We need we need it all. But like the polarity is really between male and female energies, and mm-hmm. it's it's not about the gender. We are not also like talking about gender here it's really like this is what creates like the tension this is what creates like the spark where this unity can actually like happen 
it's uh, between the polarities. And if we push like so far, like for the last few thousand years, like it was like the patriarchy and, um, and a lot of like, I've, I've heard like a lot of women like glorifying, glorifying the matriarchy when there was like the, the opposite and the woman was the ruler, then kind of it shifted. And now I think it's, it's about time for us as humans to just come into balance, to come mm-hmm. like full circle. Okay, there is no, no one is better or more or less or like it's not like okay let's women on 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 the top of like everybody has their their role in society and um and the 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 within us the energies they all have their roles like for us women to train our inner masculine as well, like to let this dark night rise and, and stand up for us, which a lot of is happening a lot around us and let like the male bodied individuals to also like soften uh, and get like really like squishy in their, in their more soft parts and like feminine parts. And this is where I, I'd say like when we bring the balance within us, this inevitably will lead to balancing also like the the the, the majority like the, the ecosystem it will balance the ecosystem as well mm-hmm. and uh i had to think about the at a specific thing <laughs> like, well they, they, they all happened like to frame human experience uh and we're actually right now in the cosmic pulse of uh, the 37th jinky, which is the shadow of weakness and the gift of equality to the city of tenderness. And the weakness is for like centuries and millennia has been like the, the, the weakness of like even of the feminine and the females being seen as weak. And what does actually weakness mean? And equality and there is like I read it like literally yesterday is equality. We are not, we are not born equal, for example, physically, like some of us are male bodied. Some of us are a female bodied. Some of us like aren't choosing to be also like non-binary or some of us might be like with mental health issues. Some of us might be like physical disabilities, but so like seeing as this, like equality is not there. Like we mm-hmm. we can't say we're all equal. But what um what Richard Threat is saying is like we're equal in our ability to expand our awareness. We're mm-hmm. equal in the ability to to face life at its terms and be more how to say yeah we're we're equal in having a choice we're equal in having a choice Mm -hmm. and how i choose to see how i choose to react how i choose to support and um yeah, and I think I, I I went a bit like sidetracked with uh with this from where I originally started, but um, perfect. Yeah, yeah, 
Thank you. It's it's kind of like it's a cause that's very dear to my heart as well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be dominating. I don't want to be dominated like without consent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's name it without consent. But it's like let's. This is why we're called like partners. We are looking for partners. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for you know partner somebody who is not walking ahead of me or behind me somebody who is walking next to me and um yeah same like male female whatever kind of like the wherever the nuances of the relationship um they're like the polarities there and there is yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm loving this there's like a ray of sunshine on your head while you're talking <laughs> beautiful and golden and gorgeous the setting sun is coming in the divine masculine shining right on your forehead while you're <laughs> honoring him which is really beautiful um and i have mm. yeah a few thoughts i could add and also feel mm. quite feel a kind of a tiredness and a kind of a sense of an ending coming is kind of how i'm feeling but there's a few little thoughts that i could add and like one would just be on the, the the gender binary like I think there's a lot of challenge around the polarity language of masculine and feminine and kind of this mm-hmm. you know gender fluidity coming in between which is so natural and normal like at this time of a culture shifting or we're going through an identity shift as a culture so of course lots of people will go to an identity shift with their gender like that's really normal like that's mm-hmm. that's happened for lots of other eras as well it's we're not unique in that um, but we we to have all the shades of grey to have all the colours of the rainbow you need to have black and white like that's part of mm. part of it so I think it's never going to be about getting rid of male or female or masculine or feminine like they're always going to be there and probably will be largely the dominant like maybe they're 40-40 and there's 20% in the middle that's a guess I'm not sure but like for most people those things feel true and so we need to speak into those spaces and not be afraid of speaking there while also knowing that there is that whole gray area there is the whole rainbow there is the whole that exists beyond any of the color spectrum you know there's everything around that too and yet still talking about the black and the white the male and the female is important you know like because it's like Christianity, like, okay, we could get rid of the label, but it has been a very significant part of our human history. So like, if we get rid of the label and won't even talk about it, then how can we heal anything to do with it? You know, we need the labels to to heal there. So that's one bit. And another feeling that I have is like, that sense of, you know, we've had these women's circles now for a while, we've had these waves of feminism, we've had a lot of like divine feminine rising for like the last like, couple of decades, you know, like, and I know there's been a lot of struggling through and shifting a lot of really systemic issues and now we're in this place where it can actually be a little bit softer for some of us mainly us in white bodies in the west you know there's still a lot of people in black and brown bodies and poor poor um socioeconomic classes that like are not liberated and so that that still needs to be being called out and being named but I think for us, when we do have quite cushy, cozy lives and we get to have lovely, gorgeous women's circles and like dance and, you know, be liberated in our bodies. Like part of that then is the gifting of that back to the men, gifting that back to the other people, gifting it to the people who don't have those spaces is gifting it to our children. Like 
gifting it to all the spaces where they don't have it. And my example here that comes is like, have you ever been in a relationship with a man? This is, I guess, for anyone, but for me, particularly being in a relationship with a man where my aliveness, where my excitement for life, where my juiciness and my passion is like this magical fairy dust that sprinkles over his life. And suddenly he becomes so much more alive and so much happier. And like, you know, you can see his eyes light up when he sees you. And it's like, oh, you know, like that beauty that actually a woman in her feminine radiance can give to a man is such a gift and that can help men step up and rise because I feel like now there's going to need to be a couple of more decades of a lot of men's work and a lot of men's circles and a lot of men's faces but a lot of men are feeling I think from knowing a lot of beautiful men in my life white, privileged, well-educated men who feel afraid now to step into leadership roles, who feel afraid Mm -hmm. to step up and be seen because so much of the narrative is about centering other perspectives, women, black, brown bodies, black and brown body people, non-binary people, trans people. It's like, it's so much of the dominant cultural talk now is around all these other voices, disabled voices, like marginalized people, that I think there's a lot of like, white men who are genuinely good loving people who were like oh maybe I shouldn't step up right now like maybe it's it's for them and I should just play small but I'm like no we need everybody to be in their yes. place we need every man to step into his power in a beautiful way like with love leading the way letting his heart be open to love and I think like you said Eva like men are different men process emotions differently Mm -hmm. they're less likely to sit around in circles and talk about their feelings as women like they're more likely to be doing things maybe Mm -hmm. it's why the men sheds in Ireland have been so successful because men actually communicate better when they're working side by side and they're working on something then they'll talk about things but they're not really necessarily going to just go and meet to chat they might go and meet to build a boat and talk while they're building a boat you know like that's the way a lot of men process things and so the fact that women can be so in that space of emotional awareness and feeling and sensation Mm -hmm. when a woman can really open up her nervous system to her to her man or to a man or to the men in her life the brothers the dads you know the members of the community the work colleagues it can be a gift and an invitation if a woman has done enough work on her own shadow, especially the feminine shadow, and be willing to offer that gift of her radiance to a man to help him feel safer to step into his power or to process true things or to talk about a lot of the sticky, you know, a lot of men are, you know, the types of comedy and humor and all the little algorithms and the way they work on Instagram it means us being with our discomfort of like talking about topics that we don't like talking about or leaning into places that feel uncomfortable because men are working through those things. Like we can't expect them to be healed and be totally PC and not not talk about or work through things that are, that are going to trigger us, you know, which I think is why mm. it comes back to like, we do the work first and then we bring it. And a piece of that, we do the work first, which is at the core of my Christian, my love for Christianity is this, this, idea of which was really at the heart of Christ's teachings and his work with Mary Magdalene it's about becoming anthropos anthropos is like the divine human fully human fully divine fully masculine fully feminine and everything in between it is like the the androgynous being that is totally whole in and of ourselves so like 
one of the words and phrases that really worked for me during my ordination was to become a virgin again, which made me giggle so much because I've really played into the prostitute and the whore and the sexually liberated one. But to be virginal means to be whole in and of yourself. You don't need a counterpart. You don't need a partner to feel Mm -hmm. whole. You don't need, you're not in that codependent dynamic. Instead, you are whole. You actually have a a relationship with the, the divine masculine in your own right. That can be with God. That can just be with your own inner masculine archetypes. I like reading like masculine archetype books and seeing how they relate to my inner like anima. You know, we have the anima and animus in a Jungian perspective, the inner man, the inner woman. Every woman has an inner man and every man has an inner woman. Um, and it's like that that sacred marriage within first. Mm-hmm. And I think when we have that sacred marriage within as women first and we feel uh, an inner peacemaking with the masculine within us, which means structures, which means discipline, which means work systems that can be all really hard to lean into when we're spiritual women, you know, all those things. Um, that actually help us embody and anchor our work more into the world. So that feeling of anthropos and letting that be a guide in our own spiritual evolution so that then when we meet a partner, we have a strong enough template of the divine masculine within us that we can actually hold the times that he falters when he doesn't show up, when Mm -hmm. he doesn't step into his power like we want him to, when he doesn't shine in the way or be the king that we know that he can be. We have that already. We already have that relationship with our inner king or with with God, with the divine masculine. We don't need him to be it. And yet we see it in him and we know it in him. And so then we can be let down because we're human. We let him down just as much too, you know, mm-hmm. the divine feminine. And we fuck up loads too. Excuse my language. <laughs> Let's name that too as well. That's true. Like, like right now. And um in that failing, we're both going to fail each other because we're human. Like, that's part of what it means as well, like, to sin. Like, I, I used to really hate that word and I still don't mm-hmm. really use it freely. But it's it's just all the times we fail, that we, we try to be the best self mm-hmm. we can be. We try to live into that higher self and we we flop and we don't do the thing and we, <laughs> we say the wrong thing. And we, you know, that's what it is to be human and that's okay. And it's like, we're both going to be in that place of failing. But when each of us, him included can have a relationship with our inner masculine and feminine and he can have his inner masculine and feminine then you can relate in a way that even when you let each other down as humans we have our face to fall back on and still keep having faith in ourselves and keep loving each other and like take the risk of loving each other take the risk of being together and I heard it really beautifully said before it was like you know in a marriage what can really work is like he has your best interest at heart And she has his best interests at heart. And I think what's happening a lot at the moment with the divine feminine focus is that she has her best interests at heart and he has her best interests at heart. Mm. It becomes this weird topsy-turvy thing where like actually it's all focused on the feminine, which we know then leads into kind of a descent and into chaos and into disorder because that's part Mm. of the feminine stuff. Whereas if she also has his best interests at heart, and there's lots of triggers here of like the perfect housewife thing. And, you know, there's lots of like things to work through there, but we can actually rise together. But it's it's about really putting each other, like having our best interests at heart together and yet not putting all of our everything into each other, but having a strong relationship with God or our own divine connection that we can fall back on so we can keep strengthening our faith and having faith and taking the risk again and again and again deepen into love together to deepen into life together even though it hurts 
even though we're going to mess up and to stay in love that way is part of what's coming and I didn't think I was going to talk for that long but that is like at the heart of like my love my grow my deep love mm. for Christianity so thank you for indulging me <laughs> for this whole podcast I'm like wow we've talked loads and it's such a pleasure <laughs> so thank you mm. um, and for all of your insights and the dialogue it's been really beautiful thank you so much mm. Thank you so much, Mel. This has been a true joy and pleasure. And I would love for you to share how people can connect with you in, in case they were inspired and, and would really love to keep that connection going. Thank you. So my website is melanieodriscoll.com and my Instagram is also melanieodriscoll underscore. They're the best places. That's where I'm most active. And I'm also in a process of I think opening not I think but it's still kind of forming it's being prayed into existence a more private container to really work with the topics that we've been talking about today in a way where we can have kind of healthy dialogue and discourse but it to be like a kind of a, a nicely held little nest in an online space so that will be coming so if people are following me on the website or my newsletter or on Instagram people will find out about that and then I'm also opening up to take some one-on-one spiritual counseling clients with all of this like healing relationship with God healing between the masculine and feminine sexual healing and womb work like they're all my juicy points that I really love to sit with it's my pleasure and privilege to sit with people in those spaces so if anything has resonated um I'm just opening it up like it hasn't even been opened but I'm gonna open up like a really small few people so if anyone is feeling like I'm one of your people like I would love to hear from you so please get please get in contact it would be such a pleasure to hear whoever is like you know feeling the feels (laughs) so yeah thank you for that thank you thank you thank you for being our guest here it was such an honor such a pleasure oh Mm. such yeah deep body sigh (laughs) and I'm feeling it's quite an intense like for me speaking into this it feels quite intense in my body I feel really uh I want to drink loads my lips feel kind of dry I'm actually going to go and have a bath I think and go for a walk in nature and really ground myself and I would just give that invitation to anybody who's listening as well like to be really Mm. tender and to also know that like I'm here like you're here like we're real people on the other end of this and if something has been very yes poked or triggered or brought up like you know send a message like you know send a talk and that doesn't have to be a deeper session but maybe it's just to letting us witness what's there for you because you know these are tender spaces and a lot can be stirred so my invitation to anybody listening and to ye and to me is like really go gently and be so tender with yourself like snuggle your animals go for a walk Mm. hug your partner whatever it's true for you like let yourself receive the love as much as you can just to be really Mm. come down gently from this conversation oh thank you for that invitation mel Mm. thank you Blessed, beautiful soul, thank you for tuning into the magic. We appreciate so much your presence and the time you have taken to sit and weave with us. If this episode has moved you, please share it with your tribe. 
We invite you to connect with us through the show notes and share your heart-spirations.